eyes and underscore how all these traditions, in fact, do blend together once you start uh, breaking down some of these silos and categories that uh, we carry around in our heads. says you and patty will testify some of the best music to happen in the white house happened off camera uh, during some of our parties uh, that was fun well we were in a few and, and all i can say is they were historical and <laughs> and you're not going to see another one like that they, in the they, white house for a long they, time <laughs> they will not uh we we had we we had some some amazing moments all right, let, let, let's, let's set the stage here. I am in my last month of my presidency. There was something I specifically wanted to do for the staff that had been with me for the entire journey and had gone through a, a really remarkable but grueling process. So we get this idea. Maybe we can just do something small and quiet and private. hundred people. And maybe Bruce will be willing to come in and just do a quick concert. And uh, you show up, and we got like about ten guitars sitting over there <laughs> on a rack. And you got the piano. And Patty says to me, yeah, I don't really know what he's going to do. Because you hadn't really done, never done it before. the whole thing for her either. I'd never done it for anybody. I only did it for a few hours in this room yes. before I so, came down. So, so your wife shows up with you, and no she clue. says, I don't really know what it is, <laughs> but there's something going on here. You know, I got the invitation, and I said, well, I'm not, not going to put the band together and make a big noise. and you know. So I said, well, I'll go down and play some acoustic songs. So I said, well... What could I do to make that a little different? I'll read from my book. And I'll play a few songs. So I came in here, and I started to read from the book and play a few songs. And I realized reading from the book was a little stilted, because uh, the way you write for your book is not the way you speak. And so I started to paraphrase all my writings in the book as if I was just telling a story. And I literally spent a couple hours for two days in this studio, and we came down. And you essentially ended up doing, what would you say? Maybe, 90 minutes of the show. Maybe 90 minutes of the Broadway, that became, show. Of the Broadway yeah. show. Chance to make it good somehow. Hey, what else can we do now? Except roll down the window and let the wind blow back your head. Well, the night's busted open, these two lanes will take us anywhere. We got one last chance to make it real, to trade these wings on some wheel. I get up on stage afterwards and I say, dude, you, you, you gotta, you gotta do that for some, some other people. You, I, I, I can't be this greedy where, 
we're the only ones who get to hear this. I have to give you credit because the, the two of you were sitting right in front of me, and I was thrilled to be there, honored to be playing for you. And you got up afterwards, and you can't. You were the first well on stage and you just kind of came over and leaned down into my ear and you said hey, look I I know you did this just for us but this ought to be a show somewhere or you something get, you, you, got, you gotta share this <laughs> and then one thing led to another we said well I need a really small space because I need complete quiet for this to work out as we had in the East Room and we went out. We found a little that tiny theater, nine hundred seats on on Broadway, and uh, you ended up having to work a real job. Being there for five nights a week at two hours and twenty minutes, twenty two hours and twenty minutes a night, one of the best times of my life. This episode of Renegades is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. Grooming as a man is a solo act. Maybe you find yourself frozen in front of the mirror with millions of questions. Do you exfoliate before or after shaving? How do you exfoliate? Are more blades better? Should you shave where the sun don't shine? Well, that one's a personal choice, but the good news is you're not alone. Dollar Shave Club has products and content that answer your questions, no matter how weird they might seem. No shame. We've all asked them before. Dollar Shave Club, now at a store near you and still on the internet at dollarshaveclub.com. Are you a shower singer? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I sing in the shower. I sing outside of the shower. I, I am unembarrassed about singing. Um, my daughters and my wife sometimes roll their eyes. I have been known to have been scolded by my staff um, for doing some air guitar stuff uh, sorry, on I, Air Force I'm One. I'm sorry, I missed that. And they're worried that the journalists are... See, I'm, Joe here is probably somebody who's kind of warned me off that. <laughs> well, the, 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 re the reason I ask is because you did a pretty damn nice version of uh, Al Green. Let's stay together. Am I right? That, that the one? Let, listen, here, here's the story. We're in the Apollo, the legendary Apollo Theater in Harlem. Right. It's a fundraiser for me. Mm -hmm. At which Al Green has performed. But as is always true, I don't get to see the act because they've got me somewhere else. I'm getting there late after the performance. Right. So I'm sitting backstage with Valerie Jarrett, and 
I'm like, man, I missed Al Green. And so I start singing backstage. I'm so in love with you. A couple of the sound guys, smart Alex, say, Mr. President, why don't you sing that on stage? Yeah, baby. <laughs> and I said, what, you don't think I will do that? <laughs> and Valerie says, don't do that. Because <laughs> she's, she's the surrogate for Michelle in these circumstances. I got you. And I probably wouldn't have done it were it not for the fact that I think I was on my fifth event that day. Mm-hmm. And I was a little loopy. Good for you. I was a little tired. <laughs> yeah. And Al Green was still there. He was sitting up in the low seat. Oh, man. So I got out and I said, oh. Al was here. I'm sorry I missed him. <laughs> and then I looked to see if the stage guys were watching. And I burst out into song. Oh. So in love. Those guys didn't think I would do it. What I really want to ask you about, of course, is Amazing Grace, because that really, that shook the whole country. How on that day did you come to decide to uh, to sing that song? That's an interesting story. I, I uh, first of all, that day was a magical day that began in grief, or or we had anticipated would begin in grief. But it turns out that's also the day in which the Supreme Court hands down the ruling saying that it is unconstitutional to not let lesbians and gays and the LGBTQ right. uh, partners get married. So that's a joyful moment. But we are traveling down to Charleston after this young this young white man who's been filled with hatred right. guns down a Bible study class that had welcomed him in. Jesus. And uh, I actually had met the pastor, Reverend Pickney, in previous visits to South Carolina. They had two little girls that were a little younger than Malia and Sasha. And, um, and this was coming on the heels of just, it seemed like every three months, some mass shooting. Mm-hmm. And I would go after each of these mass shootings and sometimes Michelle would go with me although it was at a certain point it became difficult for Michelle to just do this and I would spend a couple of hours with a family mm-hmm. who just had their child or their father or their brother or their son gunned down senselessly for no reason and I had, I had thought that after Newtown, when 20 six-year-olds have been gunned down in this fashion by a deranged young man who had basically an arsenal in his house, uh, I, th- 
right, well, Congress is going to do something about this. And the most angry, I think, and disappointed, the closest I ever came to just losing hope about this country was probably after efforts for modest gun safety laws were defeated, weren't even really, never even really got called up in the Senate. After 20 children had been slaughtered like that. The only time I saw a Secret Service person cry while I was speaking was at Newtown. So, so it happens again, and, and I say, I, as soon as it happens, in addition to making a statement from the White House, I say, you know, I'll want to go to the funeral but I don't want to speak. I don't have anything left to say. I feel like I've used up all my words. Nothing I've been able to say, whether making practical, rational arguments, emotional arguments. I've shown anger in speaking about this. I've shown sorrow, and nothing seems to have any impact. I'm out of words. And of course, they ask that I speak, and I concluded, all right, I, it's part of the job. I, I, I don't have the luxury, but I was stuck. I had nothing to say. 